The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Over 5,000 international protection applicants arrived in the state last year with either fake or no travel documents, as revealed by our chief reporter Barry White last week. Uh, Barry, good morning. Hi, Pat. Good morning. You've received correspondence from the Department of Justice on this, and they say they're planning more airport checks to clamp down on people arriving here without the correct travel documentation. Yeah, so the governments are to resume passport checks at the steps of aircraft in an attempt to address the significant numbers of asylum seekers who've lost or destroyed their travel documents while flying into Ireland. So officers from the Garda National Immigration Bureau are now carrying out aircraft doorstep operations. However, this will only be happening on a twice-weekly basis, Pat, so only <laughs> twice a week. Um, and they hadn't been doing it before, which I think will be a surprise to a lot of our listeners. Yeah, now, to, to borrow from John McEnroy, you, John McEnroy, you cannot be serious. Yeah, and now this was a policy, this policy of passport checks was initiated by former Justice Minister Charlie Flanagan uh, a few years ago, but it was stopped when the new government was formed in 2020. And this move to reinstate this was prompted by figures showing that 40% or more than 5,000 people who applied for international protection last year either lost or destroyed their travel documents before arriving at Irish Immigration Control. And of course, these figures were revealed here on the show last week through a Freedom of Information request. Now, I've been speaking to some asylum seekers, Pat, from Georgia and Algeria, and I've been asking them why they came to Ireland. My country, like... Like uh, the future and working is so difficult to find when you are studying in university and you d- don't have like more chances for working. Like the salary is so loud, like, you know. So I like better future here and I think life is safe here. So was it like, for more economic reasons you left Algeria? Or? No, like like I want my like my children grow up in uh, in safe place, you know. They uh, respect human rights, you know. Whereas they don't in Algeria? Not really. Like. And how did you get to Ireland? Did you have to travel through many countries to get here? or? Yeah, it was in Britain, yeah, in the United Kingdom. Then I go to Belfast, then come here with was Because there's no opportunity, no justice. I have a master's degree in accounting. If you, if you go to, to find a good job, and no um, a good job, and uh, if you go to search about... Uh, uh, what I told you, a good job. They will ask you, uh, who sent you? So did you leave more for economic reasons? Yeah, the, the the first reason is economic. The second reason, no justice, and then no future. How did you get to Ireland? How did you travel here? Yeah, but uh, I was living in uh, UK for a few months. But you can uh, you can uh, stay there for a long time because you you, you couldn't work with uh, without. A work permit, so no chance. So all my life I have spent in Georgia, in my country. I love so much this country. I grow up here. I I have a lot of friends. I have my family, but I had some problems in my country, happening some dangerous thing, dangerous things sometimes. Uh, and uh, one one time I had one problem. I've, 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 I don't feel safe 
you didn't feel safe in I, Georgia. I didn't, yeah, yes, yes, I miss that I did not feel safe in Georgia. And uh, I, I decided that I want to go to Ireland because I want to be safe. And so that's, that's why I'm here. And how did you get here? How did you travel to Ireland? Uh, I, to be honestly, I made uh, some fake documents like I, I, I made a uh, fake uh, passport. I wouldn't give you all my personal issue because it's personal. But briefly, I either come here to work if they give me that opportunity. And just I'm interested, like, why did you choose to come to Ireland? How did you get here from well, Algeria? Uh, basically, uh, we all passed um, like England and Scotland. You know, we've done the whole, I've done the whole thing. So it's it's just getting tough with this new government you know this rwanda thing and so you were living in england but you yeah had, you had to leave but yeah okay um three voices or four voices there uh, barry um they come officially from so-called safe countries do they yeah so from what I can see, quite a few asylum seekers who arrive here and apply for international protection do seem to be arriving from safe countries. Now, the Department of Justice sent me an updated list of what they deem safe countries. And the likes of Georgia, Albania, Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, Kosovo, Macedonia, Montenegro, Serbia and South Africa were added to the safe list um, in the last number of years. While according to the EU member states, uh, According to the European Asylum Procedures Directive, member states can add and take away countries from this the safe list. But I'm just looking at the European Union safe list: uh, Algeria, Armenia, Australia, Bangladesh, Canada, Egypt, uh, and then those other countries that are already already mm. named are on that safe list. So the people that I just spoke to were from Algeria and Georgia, so they had become from countries that that are safe. As we heard as well, a few of them admitted to me that they had previously been living and working in England. And the reason they came here was because they had found the UK had become more and more racist since Brexit, while some were afraid of the UK government's Rwanda policy, where they planned to send some asylum seekers to Rwanda. So that's one of the reasons why some of the asylum seekers came here. While I'm a number of other asylum seekers who we didn't hear from, Pat, who I spoke to, told me they travelled through the likes of Germany, Holland, Spain. Um, and one direct provision centre manager I've been speaking to been speaking to told me that he thinks Minister Roderick O'Gorman has a lot to answer for because he says there has been without doubt more international protection applicants arriving here since the white paper and direct provision was released two years ago. Uh, this promise to end direct provision and that asylum seekers would live in their own, do- own door accommodation. This white paper was translated into many different languages and the owner of this direct provision centre told me that a lot of asylum seekers have arrived here in the past year because of this Uh, and the figures show that in 2019 just over 4,000 asylum seekers arrived here while last year was over three times that number who came here. Um, Now we understand the Department of Justice will be stepping up those checks on international protection applicants arriving uh, from the countries that they now deem are safe. Yeah, they will. Now, as we know, a record number, as I say, international protection applicants arrived here last year. The total was 13,319. Now, I've worked with almost 7,000 of that over 13,000 total arrived here last year from Georgia, Algeria, South Africa and Albania, which are all deemed safe countries. So that's more than 50% of our international protection applicants last year came from so-called safe countries. 
Now, around November, the government announced a fast-track system to uh, process applications from people who had come from these countries. And the aim here is to reduce the waiting time for an international protection application. Uh, The average time is currently around 18 months. But as we know, Pat, many people have spent years in the direct provision system waiting on their application to be processed. So the Department of Justice say they have been given an extra 18 million euro to process applications quicker. And applicants from a safe country of origin will now receive their international uh, protection application interview date on the day they actually apply for international yeah, protection. Yeah, they get the date, but when might that date be? Well, that's it. And if they give a date, which is going to be maybe in five or six weeks' time, can they fulfil that date? Because I've been speaking to asylum seekers as well who've been given a date and then it just keeps getting put back mm. and put back and they never get a decision then. Uh, and I've been speaking to former Justice Minister Michael McDowell, Pat, He says more needs to change because he says as far as he's concerned, the current immigration system in this country is totally unsustainable. We do have obligations to persons who are coming here uh, with a view to escaping persecution and seeking international protection as a matter of uh, international agreements to which we've signed up. That's true. But um, with that, there's an obligation to distinguish between what is genuine Uh, uh, asylum seeking on that basis on the one hand and what is economic migration posing as uh, uh, asylum seeking on the other and you know take Georgia for instance that state has uh, visa free access to the entire European Union and doesn't have direct flights to Dublin so it means that people are free to enter any European country without a visa as long as they produce their passport or whatever it is, and hop on a flight to Dublin from Paris or Amsterdam or, or London or whatever it may be, and then present themselves at um, at a immigration and, and claim that they're seeking asylum in Ireland, fleeing persecution. Um, well, I mean, that's clearly, in the great majority of cases, an abuse of the system. Would you say the current system is broken then? Yes, I think, the, uh, I think it is broken. I, I think we have to... Uh, turn off the tap to some extent. I mean, there are people who are genuinely fleeing persecution by state bodies. But there are, for every one of them, I would say, I don't know what the proportion would be, maybe it's uh, 10 or 20 who are uh, economic migrants hoping to uh, have a better life in Ireland than they have where they're coming from. And that's perfectly understandable if you can get away with it. But um, it's not uh, sustainable for from the... Uh, from Ireland's point of view to be seen as a place where it's possible to get away with it. So that's uh, Michael McDool there. So Barry, um, why might someone from a country which is deemed safe want to claim asylum here rather than elsewhere? Well, there might be a number of reasons and I must point out that someone from a safe origin country where there is no widespread war, still has a right to seek international protection here for a number of reasons. Uh, They'll have to have a well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group or political opinion. Um, So if they can fulfil any of those, uh, they can seek asylum. Um, But again, uh, they'll have to be successful in their application for international protection. Uh, however, their application may not be successful. And as we're seeing here in Ireland, Pat, if your application is not successful, you could still remain in the direct provision system here for years and years. Mm. Uh, 
your application might be successful and you'd still remain in the system for years and years. And that's that's where that, that that's where the problems lie here. It's a system that's becoming clogged. Um, but I've been speaking to immigration barrister Cahill Malone, who outlined to me who can qualify to apply for asylum and why some people are arriving here from so-called safe countries. Well, there are undoubtedly some people who um, exaggerate or, or fabricate uh, c- c- claims when they come here. But the fact of the matter is that the number of people who do that is probably quite a lot lower than, than most people would expect. I mean, there are very robust systems um, for assessing uh, applicants for international protection. The other thing to say is that when we talk about people who do not qualify for protection, there are very tightly defined criteria for what qualifies you for a grant of asylum or, or a grant of subsidiary protection. I mean, if somebody is fleeing a famine in their home country, extreme drought, extreme poverty, that obviously, that, 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 that is not something that qualifies you. I mean, there was some talk recently about climate refugees. Ultimately, there's no such thing as a climate refugee in law. To be a refugee, you have to have a well-founded fear of persecution in your home country, which either is being done by the government or which the government is unwilling to protect you from. And it must be for stated reasons such as race, religion, nationality, political opinion or membership of a particular social group, like, for example, gay people. Though that, that is literally the definition of a refugee. If you do not fit those criteria, you will not be granted. So there are many people who are not what you might call simply economic migrants, but who just don't fit within the very tightly defined criteria that date from the 1951 convention. Is the Dublin Convention almost null and void? I've been speaking to some people who run direct provision mm. centres. They tell me that the majority of residents had been living in safe European countries before coming here. It seems to be now that you could have someone who's living in Germany or Greece or whatever, and then they come to Ireland to make a claim for asylum. The Dublin Convention is often misunderstood. The first thing to say is there is no obligation under Irish law or under international law to apply for asylum in the first safe country that you reach. The Dublin Convention is about determining what is the best country to process your asylum claim. It is not simply based on have you been in a European country before. To begin with, if you were in a European country previously and perhaps you had a, you had a residence permit or whatever, um, then it depends as, as to how long ago that permit was issued. If it was issued a long time ago, then th- that country is not held responsible anymore. Uh, I'm a bit intrigued because it wasn't my understanding, I have to say, of the Dublin Convention that the whole idea is... That the first safe place you arrive in um, and you get off the plane and go through uh, their immigration. It's different, I think, if you hop, like if you land in Heathrow and you hop on uh, without ever going through the immigration process. That might be one thing. It's another, though, if you actually enter the country. Anyway, we'll maybe have to clarify exactly what that Dublin Convention was supposed to do. But clearly, Barry, um, someone from a safe country can apply for international protection here. But the problem is our application process takes too long, as you said, years in some cases. So if someone does arrive here who's not a genuine asylum seeker, they know that they won't be deported anytime soon. Yeah, that's exactly it. And look, Pat, I've spoke to many asylum seekers who've been living in direct provision uh, for years. So we have a situation where no matter who applies for international protection here, they will remain in the system, like you say, for around two years at least because it takes so long to process asylum applications Uh, and like I said earlier if your application is rejected you remain in the system if your application is successful and you gain residency the majority still remain in direct provision because of the housing crisis here so we have a clogged system here with hundreds if not thousands of new asylum seekers arriving here uh, every month or so Um, 
And Pat, look, I've been trying to find out why people may be coming to Ireland from some of these countries that are deemed safe. As I mentioned, over 20% of international protection applicants who arrived here last year arrived from Georgia. 3,138 Georgians arrived here in total in 2022. But why might Georgians be fleeing their home country? I've been speaking to Tarnike Mandaria, who is a journalist based in Tbilisi. Georgia generally is quite a, a poor country. So a decent salary, opportunity to work, you know, high quality healthcare is the main reasons why um, people are looking the, for, for the ways to um, leave uh, to Europe. Generally, I think these people who are leaving to Europe uh, are part of the group that doesn't have a job in, in, in here as well. So would it be fair to say they're, they are economic migrants? Uh, it would be fair to say, uh, absolutely, that they, these people are economic migrants. The, uh, what I would say is that I think many people um, have just no idea what uh, an asylum system actually means. Um, so they're, you know, this is just like one way to uh, kind of stay in a different country and try to um, you know, find something, find a job or find like find the ways to stay in that country. So um, some of the people are uh, using the system to prolong their stay. Is it something that makes the news headlines in Georgia, the fact that there are thousands of Georgians leaving the country and trying to claim asylum in other European countries uh, each year? Yes, absolutely. We have, um, we always, we are always discussing this uh, issue because uh, this problem makes headlines not only in Georgia, but in European countries as well, not only in, in Ireland. So we have had uh, many reports from Germany and France, which is the top destination for Georgians. Um, and these countries, the leaders of these countries have threatened to um, stop the visa-free regime for Georgia because such a it is such a such a big uh, issue, um, and we are constantly discussing uh, this uh, here uh, in Georgia as well. Um, but you know the economic situation is not getting better. Okay, just uh, looking up some stuff online about the Dublin Convention, uh, and it, it says uh, that. The state which has authorised the entry of an asylum seeker on the territory of that member state is responsible for examining his or her application. That's now, and there's so many loopholes and get out clauses. Yeah, I and think the Dublin Convention has become so lax over the years, Pat, that it is almost non-existent now. Um, I know that it of, would seem clear my, that if somebody has not come across, say, the channel on a, a, an illegal boat and therefore, you know, entered Britain illegally. But someone who actually is allowed into Britain, yeah. um, then when Britain was in the EU, they would have been responsible for it. Now that Britain is no longer in the EU, it's not clear. Yeah, it's not clear. And if the Dublin Convention was to be tightened, then you would have, you know, you wouldn't have people shopping around and being able to choose what country they come to seek asylum in. Uh, anyway, Barry, thanks uh, for that report. You did ask both the Minister for Justice, Simon Harris, and the Minister for Integration, Roderick O'Gorman, uh, for a chat on this. Yeah, I put in bids to interview both Minister Harris and Minister O'Gorman just over two weeks ago, and I was told that both were not available. However, I think what is clear from these reports, Pat, is that our current immigration system is not fit for purpose and it needs, and it's not sustainable, so something needs to give here. Yeah. And just pointing out, you know, a lot of 
our asylum seekers coming here do seem to be economic migrants. We do need migrant workers, construction, hospitality. So, so let's establish out. a proper visa programme. Yeah, there may be uh, very talented people from Algeria, so from Georgia, whole, from Albania. The whole work visa system probably needs yeah. to change in this country because people shouldn't be coming through the international protection system um, in order for them to be able to work then six months later. All right, Barry, thank you very much uh, for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.